welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wim Lou. And joining us for the first segment is uh, former Raptor, beloved former Raptor, quite honestly, CJ Miles, uh, who also hosts a podcast over at Yahoo Sports Canada. CJ, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, CJ. It's, it's, it's great to speak to you. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, Thanks for people for who are trying to sort of catch up uh, in terms of just, like, where you've been at the last couple of years, obviously, yeah. we, you know, we saw you on the Raptors for 100-plus games, uh, knockdown shooter, right? You know, you, you built that whole identity with the, you know, the, the bench mob. Um, but I think that, you know, people probably want to know what you've been up to the last couple of years. So maybe we just start there. Um, man, uh, so, uh, what was it? Uh, my last, my last year I was in Washington after the trade and everything. I went from Memphis to Washington. I ended up having, uh, two surgeries within a year, (laughs) a minor, they weren't with it, but they, but they just took time. So during that time, um, right after the pandemic happened, had my second daughter, decided to stay home and not go to the bubble and just recover and decide if I really wanted to keep playing. Mm. Came back, did a stint in the G League. It was just me making the story short. Fast forwarded, got a 10-day with Boston, got back and really felt like, you know, um, it was time, you know. Um, yep. 17 years of, of, of in this league. Um, I, had a, I had a great career. I had a great time. But I felt like it was time, you know, to be home with my family and start exploring life. I started to feel like there was more things I could be doing and things I would enjoy doing. Still attached to the game, obviously, but um, I thought it was time. And now I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm doing, like you said, the podcast with, with my man Amit over there on Yahoo Sports. Yep. And, you know, just being a dad, taking kids to school, making breakfast in the morning, <laughs> uh, stuff like that, you know. No, that's dope to hear, man, because, I mean, first off, 17 years of the league, that's that's such an accomplishment. Um, you know, you were one of the last couple of high school straight from high school to the NBA. Um, and, and you made that difficult jump. And, and yeah, I think, I think even just over the course of that time, when, when you spend that much of your life sort of totally dedicated to making it at the highest level and being a great pro and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, like there are a lot of sacrifices that go into it. Right. So I think now that you get to really enjoy the rest that life can offer and, and spend time with family. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, I had a friend ask me the other day. He was like, what you been doing, man? I said, checking the mail. <laughs> like, on time before it fills up, you know? Like, yeah. I just, like, we laughed about it. But I'm like, it's really just that right now. Like, whatever's next, so, you know, that's bigger than what, if it's something bigger than what I'm doing right now, it'll come. But mm. I'm just enjoying it, you know, enjoying life, enjoying what's going on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm already watching the chat right now. People are already saying that, uh, they're asking if you could still play, if you could still shoot, because, you know, the Raptors have needed some help with the three-point shooting front. Of you know course I, mean? I could do that. I could always still. I'll be able to do that forever. Like, I I don't go too long without still picking up a basketball. There's basketballs randomly laying around the house for that reason. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I still, you know, I still tinker. I still like to shoot. I still like to play. I play. I mean, I was playing pickup all through the summer last year. I, I'm going to do it again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it's just the game is I'm forever a hooper. That's never going to leave. Yeah, true, true. Um, okay, you know what? Actually, CJ, I, I wanted to to get to a couple Raptors topics, but I actually wanted to start with you in particular because, again, I was just looking at your you know career in total, right? Coming into the league straight from high school, I mean, you were 18 when you were first hitting the league, and of course, you know, that, you came up through Utah, and that was while Jerry Sloan was still there, and you know, for you, you didn't really get that many minutes until probably two, three years into your career, yeah. so. 
I want to ask about sort of that process of when you're a young guy coming into a winning program like that, um, you know, what is the process in terms of just like earning that respect from coaches, from teammates, in addition to working in your game that eventually allows you to sort of get onto the floor and, and eventually start to actually build your career? I mean, you just – the biggest thing – at the, the first thing is you just got to want it more than all the things that are, that are in front of you that seem like obstacles, you know? Like, mm. um, there's a lot – that come from building from that standpoint. I mean, I, I, like you said, I come in at 18. I am the youngest player ever in jazz history. Probably going to stay that way because of the rules. Right. Um, meaning I have a coach that does not like young players has already confessed to that. And I come in as the youngest one ever. So they already don't know how to deal with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm already like, not that they didn't take great care of me and I am not grateful for everything that was done, but you know, that first two years, there's just a space where nobody, I'm a kid. Like, nobody knows. Yeah. Like, how do we deal, what are we dealing? And so with that, and me on the other side, not knowing what's going on at all. So it's just about figuring out how to work. You just got to figure out how to work and, and put your focus on what it is you want and go chase it. Because there's going to be a lot of things thrown in front of you. And you just got to keep going for what it is that you set your sights on. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I think... You know, uh, it, it's important, I think, throughout any player's journey or even just in any sort of walk of life when you enter a new industry where you need people who are veterans, who have done it before, who have some experience. Because I think mm-hmm. there's one thing in life where you can, like, make all the mistakes yourself and you probably learn the best mm-hmm. lessons by being burnt yourself. But also, I think having that veteran, having that mentor, having that big brother in that sort of locker room setting to sort of help you avoid some of those mistakes in the first place, I think is also 100%. hugely valuable. And I was thinking about sort of when you came to the Raptors, that was a big role that you played for the bench mob at that time. And I'm thinking about even now in the Raptors, you got a guy like Thad Young, who I understand you are, you're good friends with as well. Yes, Can you sir. sort of explain that role in terms of that importance of that mentor and that veteran and sort of like what type of things that's sort of helping with a younger team? So it kind of feeds into what we were just talking about, right? So like you kind of become what you wish you had or what you didn't have or where you see holes in things after you, you know, go along your path. So I think I, Thad the same, Thad... He went to school, but he was fairly young when he came in. And, you know, having somebody that can help shave some time off of those lessons, you know, or the amount of those lessons you have to go do by yourself that might take two months for you to get up and get through with having somebody that's done it to be able to be like, hey, look, don't go that way. Mm, Like having that guy makes a tremendous difference for the end of the bench with those young guys when they're coming up. Um, And one of the things, like with my identity with the bench mob, I didn't, I tell people all the time, I didn't give them any, like, special, like, juice or anything. I just know when I was their age, the biggest thing that I lacked was just confidence in my abilities. Yeah. Just the to go out there and just play and believe in the fact that I'm here because they came and got me. It's not like I got lucky and tripped through the door and they put a jersey on me and was like, hey, try this out. Mm-hmm. Like, they came and sought me out. And that was the biggest thing I tried to instill in those guys. Like, look, man, go. Play. Be free be the person that you are. That's what got you here. And that's the biggest thing that I think that is needed the most from veterans to young guys trying to come up. Um, we had an episode earlier this year with talking about Johnny Flynn. And that was one of the biggest things. I don't know him and I didn't want to seem like I was trying to like big homie him and I'm not, not knowing him. But one of the things I tried to relay in that, in that thing was just continue to work, continue to go, continue to believe in all the skills that you have because they are going to put you in position to grow. Mm-hmm within the game they will you just have to keep sharp and it's almost impossible because the coach is going to look down there after three weeks and say hey you're going to start tonight and you got to be perfect that night 
you know what I mean? Um, that's a tough place to be in. Yeah, no, and I think that, you know, it's it's clearly something the Raptors are, are valuing, right? Because I think last year when they were talking about how, you know, they traded for Thad and they brought him in, and, of course, the intention was to re-sign him, and obviously he's on the mm-hmm. roster now. That was the idea, right? With the younger group, mm-hmm. like, who is that kind of voice? In addition to to Fred and Pascal, which is funny how how quickly the NBA works, right? Like, when yeah. you last yeah. played with so them, crazy. those are the young guys, and now they're already the yeah. vets. But you got to bring what, in true vets like Thad who have played, you know, 16 years and counting now. Um, and, and that helps with the locker room. And, I, you know, I want to talk about that bench mob because I'm, I'm curious because when you look at them now, right, guys that you were playing with, DeLon Wright, you know, I just saw he had a really nice game in Washington. They won last mm-hmm. night. He was a big part of that fourth quarter. Um, when you look at Norm Powell, who obviously is making good money over with the Clippers and, and he's worked so hard to get to his point. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet is an all-star now. Pascal Siakam is an all-star, all-NBA, made the max. These two guys are champions. Yaka Pertle, obviously with San Antonio, that's not necessarily – they're developing right now, but he's mm-hmm. proven to become a really valuable NBA yeah. player. You hear him talking about all the time about how much uh, he's one of the underrated players in the league. That's got to make you feel really proud, right, to watch these young guys, like, get into the positions where not only are they making their careers, but they're able to make generational money that's able to take care of their families. Man, it's great to see. Um, just to see guys be able to take the opportunities and run with them and to be able to create even bigger spaces for themselves than what was even thought in the beginning. Yeah. Like, and, it, and it's just proof that you, we don't know. Like mm-hmm. we, you get a chance and it, it shows you some, it, you get an opportunity and it opens your eyes a little bit more. And it's just, it just determines on how much more you want to work. If you want to make it bigger again. And that's what those guys did. They got their foot in the door. They got a little space. It's like, Oh man, I could do this now. And they worked their tails off to go be better at that. Pascal, we can go, we can pick apart his game where we, with things he didn't have four years ago to what he has now. And every time he got a little bit more time, he started adding a little bit more of this and then a little bit more of that. Next thing you know, you're all NBA. Just from working, just from keeping your head down. Nobody doing nothing special. Nobody coming and being like, we decided to make you the guy because nobody, everybody thought he was just going to be a serviceable, serviceable NBA player from the beginning. Yep, that's it. So it's not that they had this plan for him. He made the plan. Yep. No, it's it's funny because I think I mean look, draft comps are are famously like very hit or miss. Let's just say that, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes the one of the the, the unfortunate uh, patterns that come out of that is like you just end up comparing players who aren't from the states to other players from their country, right? So when Pascal came out, people were like, "Oh, that's the next Luke Richard and Mute, yeah. who's a who had a long career and obviously is mm-hmm. like a very respectable dude and all that kind of stuff, but. I think for for a guy like Pascal in particular, seeing his growth from, you know, you were very, you basically almost saw him as a rookie or as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. Seeing him at that time grow into the player he is now, like, that's got to be like one of the most improved players in the league, period. Like, I can't go five guys in the league who have added that much of their game the way Pascal has. Not even, no, no way. Especially off the top of my head, I couldn't, (laughs) it's pretty crazy. But the problem with the, the comparison thing, like you were saying, is, that that holds so much power because if everybody goes into the draft process with that thought, and don't get me wrong, you know, you can see guys as certain things and see that they have a skill set like a certain guy, but to give a name and say this is this is it, mm-hmm. you pretty much plan on only using him that way when he gets there. Right, right. Like you, you you even as a coach and as an organization, you put the box on him. And it makes it even harder for the kid to to, to, to break the box down. Instead of giving him a chance, like, well, let's just say this is the basement. Mm-hmm. And let's just say, look, we see, we think, we know you can do this on your bad nights. Now let's see how much more we can add on top of that because we have six extra years with you. Right. Bahamute, the guy we're comparing you to, he's been in the league 10 years already. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Why are we comparing you to a guy who's not offense to him, but who's a finished product at this time? Right. Why would we do that? No, I think that's I think that's where, especially for organizations, but even a good reminder for for like us in the media now, it's just like mm. n- to sort of have a bigger ex- um, imagination for certain guys, especially for guys who put in the work, like a Pascal, like a Freddie, who you know you can see that if they work this hard, you don't want to put a ceiling on guys like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because you never know what that's going to turn out into. I think Pascal's a good example of that. Um, yeah, I mean, just thinking about the bench mob in particular, um, you know, the other day, because we've been talking a lot on this show about how the Raptors can get more out of their bench, right? Because to me, on paper, it seemed like this year coming in, the Raptors had a deeper bench. But yeah. then as the season went on, it just wasn't really, you know, connecting like that. But the last two games, the Raptors have done something completely different where I felt like there's two approaches towards bench players, right? There's one where you bring in guys who can kind of replace a little bit of what the starters do. And then you keep playing the starter style and you brought in like maybe one, two or three guys off the bench to kind of spell those starters. And then there's the other way, which I think the bench mob did a great job of doing was bringing a whole bench unit together, maybe one starter with that, that bench group, but that whole bench group is a very different way of playing as compared to the starters. And we're seeing that a little bit um, right now with the Raptors in this past week. When you think about those two approaches coming off the bench, um, you know, first off, I think which one would fit this current personnel for the Raptors better? And also, like, as someone who has played both a lot as a starter and off the bench, how does that sort of change your mentality and approach as someone off the bench when you know you're coming in to play a different style versus when you're coming in to replace a starter and try to maintain that style? Um, So as far as for this team, I think it's still hard to say because – I think I I would like to see more of those guys, you know, out there as a five, like the bench, like a, a, a actual bench unit really getting to rock out with say, like, you know, say it's Delano, Johnny, uh, if if Thad's not starting, Thad's the vet that's in the group. Um, you know, we throw uh Chris Boucher and somebody, you know what I mean, just mixing up somebody that's everybody that's not a starter, getting those guys real minutes together really being able to build and attack so we can side of the side if they can do that. Because we talk about the bench mile. One of the things about that unit, we were totally different than what the first unit was. Right. And I think that's why it works. We were fast, aggressive, attacking, and everybody's attributes kind of helped the next guys. So I was good in that unit because I had Pascal and Yacht playing the bigs who ran and screened, and I had two penetrating guards pushing the ball all the time. Mm. So all I had to do was kind of find space. The line um, and Freddie complimented each other because they both were tremendous defensively. One was bigger, could guard the twos. The other one could guard the ones, and they could switch when they needed to. One was a little bit better shooter at the time, so we could run plays with Freddie off the ball more and the line could have the ball, vice versa, all these different things, right? right. Um, and these are the things that I think I would want my bins. That's what I would, I would want to have. I would want to have a unit that could bail me out on nights because that's what we had to do. Some nights to start, it's just not going to have it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you mix a starter in or if that or whatever, whatever type of ways you want to attack it. But if I have a unit that I know can either build me a lead or take a lead from five to 20 or can close a gap to get me time to get Pascal rest until the fourth quarter, whatever it is, that's what I would love to have because down the stretch in the season, those games are going to mean so much. There were so many games that first year that the bench unit just took the legs, took the took the demand off the starters' legs mm-hmm. to let us finish the season fresh, you know? 
Yeah. We got starters playing 38 minutes a night right now for the Raptors. Like yeah. this happens routinely. Um, and I think that's a thing that, you know, builds up over time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm I'm pulling up that roster. First off, um, that you know, twenty eighteen Raptors team. That's still the season high uh, or, or franchise high for most wins in a season uh, with 59 wins under Dwayne Casey, who won coach of the year that year. But I'm looking even at the minutes, man. The, the, the top minutes guys were DeMar and Kyle, obviously. You know, DeMar played 34, Kyle played 32. No one else even played more than 30, believe it or not. Like a whole yeah. bunch of guys, Serge, yeah. JV, DeLon, Pascal, yourself, Fred, OG, Yakaproto. You guys are all in the 20s range. You know what I mean? But that's like a whole rotation. And I think that that's probably where the Raptors are. You know, maybe they don't necessarily have the same, like, caliber and talent of guys right now, but I think that, um, you know, if they got back to that sort of mix, I, I do feel like there are going to be um, helpful elements that comes out of it that. It also allowed us to have these nights where if there was a guy, like, say the starters don't have it going, and one of the bench guys has got it going, mm -hmm. that guy can play 35, 36 nights sure. that night. Yeah. We can let him rock out and throw it out there, and, like, you never worried about guys being too taxed because – it was such an even flow a lot of nights. And then there were nights also, like you said, where you mixed the starter. There were many nights where the first four of the bench mile would come in and we would leave Kyle or DeMar in just right. to give them a different look at the defense. Mm. So the defense would have to guard them different and we could try to get them going. So say Kyle hadn't really got going, he's been deferring to DeMar the whole first period. So four of us come in, myself, Freddie, so Kyle doesn't have to guard the ball, and then Yakin and – and Pascal come in who changed the energy of the, the the pace. They run differently than Serge and, and JV do. So now oh, they're, they're way faster. <laughs> exactly. So now you got Kyle in so much more open floor or right. DeMar in so much more open floor. Now we can get them three or four layups, get them to the free throw line, and now they come out at the start of the second, get a breather with mm. their confidence rolling. Yeah. No, I mean, the way you're talking about right now, I'm, I'm really nostalgic for it because I, I kind of really want to see the Raptors get back to, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of position because I think in addition to that is – it really helped the Raptors foster their reputation as a developmental franchise, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know that, like, outside of occasional free agents, right? Obviously, you join the Raptors as a free agent. You're one of the Raptors' best free agent signings. Like, this is not just because you're on the show. This is, like, me watching the team for, like, 20-plus years, right? Like, a lot of free agent signings don't really work out here. That's not Toronto's reputation in the way that it might be for, like, a Miami or for, like, a L.A. or for yeah, whatever. I, I didn't know that until I got there, actually, you know? Yeah. Like, that there wasn't a lot of guys that had signed and, like, that had come to fruition or did the things that they thought they were going to do there. Obviously, mine was cut short, but I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty crazy because that's been a good team for a while. Yeah, but it's it's all development, you know what I mean? And that's what, mm -hmm. when you look back on that team, right, when I when I went back with you about all the all the benchmark guys who still have, like, in the prime of their careers and they're making good money and they're in winning organizations, like, they're able to develop and grow all of these guys. And I'm wondering, like, how they can get almost back to that kind of um, same style and reputation because I, I do wonder about the culture of player development right and I, and I think you know for people on the outside we look at it as like oh the Raptors really develop players really well but I wanted to get to know like how much of that is the Raptors di like direction and development and what kind of training programs they put in for the players and how much of that is just the players themselves taking it upon themselves to go the extra mile to get themselves to the point where they can you know be like a Fred or be like a Pascal or be like an OG I think it's a that's a tough one to answer because it's kind of a two-way type of street because the Raptors are great with the young guys about getting them in the gym, dr drilling the, the principles and the stuff that they want to do in the program, making sure they get their shots, get their work, get the individual things and all the different things they need to do. Mm -hmm. um, Johnny's great in the weight room. The training staff is great. Like, they're really great about providing all the resources. Now, 
if I'm a young guy and I'm going to do all this work and we got a reputation for developing guys, for me to start, how's the best way? I don't, I don't want to say it should. It has to be this way, but for me to start really going the extra mile, there's got to be some reward for all the work I'm doing. Mm. So you got to trust me a little bit more. Even when I do make mistakes, you know all the work that I'm doing every day. And I'm not saying you leave me out there and let me lose the game for you, but there's going to have to be some times or some runs where I'm going to have to get 22 minutes tonight. Like I'm right. going to have to get a 10-minute stretch, even if I turn the ball over twice in the first couple of minutes I'm out there. Because yeah. this is the only way I'm going to start to see that work come into fruition. And then it's going to be like, oh, like we talked about before. Oh, I can get better. I can get better at this. I can get better at that. Because now I have more experience to draw from. Right, right. If every time I get out there, I'm only drawing from the mistakes I've made and being yanked out of the game, it's hard to step into the game with confidence. And this goes back to another thing we talked about. It's almost, it's crazy to, to, from this position. Like, it's a it's an uphill battle. It's really hard. Guys that make themselves rotation players from being young guys that don't play, I don't think we talk about how hard that really is. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, how much of that in your experience? Because obviously, you know, you played a, a long career. You played a lot of different NBA stops. How much of, like, players sort of making good on their potential, right? Because I think probably we, we as I think the media and especially as even, even the executives and, and fans, everyone looks at people as potential, but people are just people, right? And until you really mm -hmm. do the work, potential is just, like, this idea. Mm -hmm. um, how much of, like, players ultimately making it and ultimately making a lot of money and making a long time in the league is just about how much they work? Versus necessarily how much potential that they have. It's, I mean, a majority of the time, it's pretty much that. Yeah. Because we can talk about plenty of guys with potential falling out of their pockets. Mm. Like, you know? Um, and some of them will stick around still, and they'll have um, decent careers, and they'll never get to, like you said, people just the idea that we thought. And I think that's the reason for the comparisons on the drafts, too. Right. Because now we put the comparison on it, and, you know, we can kind of it's a business still. So I got to kind of have a map. I, mm -hmm. I want to make a map anyway. But at the same time, if I only give you, this is your comparison, then this is all we're ever going to work towards. But if I also come out and say, this second round picks the next Michael Jordan and he's out of the league in two years, I look crazy and I lose my job. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like there's this, there's this, this thing that, that, that falls, that falls in it because of the business part. Like we're not just looking at it to just in, Encourage the players and make the best players out of every single person because next year we're going to draft again. There's going to be a trade made. Next year we're going to draft again. There's going to be another trade made or somebody's going to say they're not unhappy somewhere and we feel like they can change our program. Mm. All these things that go into this don't always allow that that development part to go the way it should go. Yeah, no, facts. Honestly, man. Um you know, I, I'm thinking, too, in terms of – because we're, we're talking so much about development and sort of team culture, right? The, the Raptors culture, when you got there, obviously that was put in place, Kyle, mm -hmm. DeMar. And obviously, you know, you have you know, Dwayne Casey who put in that culture. Okay. I think Nick Nurse has sort of maintained that culture as well and maybe mm -hmm. even grown it as well with his own take on things. But you had, like, <laughs> entrenched leaders who are guys who people can look up to and essentially, like, fall in line, right? Like, Kyle and DeMar were unquestionable leaders in that team. Mm -hmm. And now when you look at it, I, I think the leaders in the, in the locker room right now are Fred and Pascal, right? Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, you got a, a vet like Thad who can also provide his words as well. But this is, like, their team, right? Fred and Pascal in particular. And I think that, you know, first off, even watching them grow into this leadership position, I, I, I want to ask you if you thought that they could have done that while you were there, obviously, because they were, like, sophomores at that time. Did you see that in them at that time? And then how have you seen them grow as leaders in terms of where they are right now? Um, I definitely 
I definitely saw it in Fred um, in the way he is now. I thought Pascal had – I didn't know Pascal would become the vocal side of sure. leadership that he's become. Was he really quiet? He, like, I, what, what do you mean by that? Not quiet, just like his – his the way he communicated didn't come off as that way, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, he definitely communicated and he worked and he led by example and he did all the things he was supposed to do. I just didn't know if he would grow into the stand in front of everybody and say da-da-da-da, this, that, and the third – or just be a guy to be like, you know, get somebody on the side, talk to them here, make do little subtle touches mm. to make sure I'm felt, but not really um, a yeller or a talker or a screaming or, or, or that way. He's such a happy, positive guy. Sometimes the leader's got to go to the other side, and I didn't know if he would go to the other side, if Fair. that makes sense. Fair. Um, but also, I knew they could be great leaders because they took so much pride in their work and what they did and how much they wanted to win. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first things. They take so much pride in what they do themselves now we can hold the standard because I know and you know that I was here an hour and a half before we even anybody got here. Yep. Yep. And I did all the work and I did all the things and I stayed after and I worked out after the game and through the summer I get better every year. Now that everybody else can see that, now we don't have to fight that fight. Now we just focus on what can we do to make everybody better and let's win. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I think the, the point about leadership in locker rooms, I think, is is Again, really hard for people on the outside who haven't played or who aren't in those rooms to understand, like myself, like the fans, where it's like, what does this mean? What is leadership, right? We look at things mm -hmm. like we can see things that are more tangible, like the stats or like even just the plays that they run and stuff like that. But we don't see leadership in that same way. And I'm curious, like, you know, have you ever been a part of a situation where like the leaders of the team are taken away from the situation and then there's like almost like a leadership void where there's a chance for other people to step into it, but you also don't mm -hmm. know who is going to step into that. And sort of what effect did that have on the team culture overall? Yeah, just because um, sometimes some guys just don't, they don't, let's lack a better word, they don't vibe with each other. Like even if it's a guy that we really got set as the guy, he can't always reach every person. Okay. And it's not that they don't dislike each other or is that they just don't, it don't register the same. Sure. Which is why there's all there's these gaps during the season where guys have to this is what the biggest thing vets are for. So I think like my role when I came into Toronto, like like you said, Damar and Kyle are the guys. They're yeah. the leaders. We know this. Like it's it's set in stone. Everybody knows this. This is why the team is so good because we understand this. We understand what we're trying to do. Um, but at the same time, I step into this team as at this time, what, thirteen years for whatever it is, how many years in the mm -hmm. league? there is a responsibility that I carry with those years behind my name. Like I got to be, I should be able to fill those gaps or I should be able to go to Kyle when Kyle needs somebody to nudge him mm. and DeMar the same. And it's, it, don't, it don't have to be enough. Those guys don't need to be motivated often, but it's hard for a first or second year guy to nudge them on the back. Like, hey man, I need you to come on. Right. Like, it's hard for them to do that. Sure. It's a lot easier for a dude you've been playing against for the last decade to come nudge you on the shoulders. Like, I know you got more than that. Right. Respectfully. Yeah. But, I mean, like, that's, I would have, that's probably what yeah, Thad is ahead. doing in the locker room. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it, and, it, and it, you don't even have to be playing a lot. Like, you don't have to be playing a lot. You don't got to average 20. You don't got to average. Because sometimes we look at the leader, like you said, as being the star guy, the guy that fills the stat sheet, does all the things. And that is... Usually the case, like, and there's some, also some guys that are just good offensively that don't make them leaders. <laughs> like, there's a lot of guys in the league that could just score the basketball that does not make them a leader. Sure. Um, so we got – there's different things we can – that's another conversation. But um, I think you just need guys that understand the feel of the team and 
guys that have won before and been around and seen it. And it's important to have guys like that. And we got a lot of youth in the league right now. Right. Um, and you can see it around the league where guys could benefit from just having a guy that's like, hey, man, like, uh, oh, I, I did this before. I've been here. I've been, I had this team. I was on a team built exactly like this one. Mm. This is not the route we need to go. Or I see where we slipping. I can see little things that could turn into big things. Right. No, I, and, you know, it's curious, too, because I think, like, so much of that is, like, people skills, right? And when I think about the league now, I mean, you know, especially with LeBron talking about how, like, it'd be so awesome if he got one day to play with his son and mm-hmm. and sort of, like, I mean, that's a literal generational gap. But I do feel like, yeah. isn't there a bit of a generational gap in the league right now? And for, like, the vets right yeah. now, like a Thad yeah. Young who's trying to talk to, like, let's say, like, Scotty, right? Like, they had that yeah. little thing, that kind of whatever, mm-hmm. kind of a nothing burger, really. But, like, those kind of moments, there is a kind of a generational gap. Like, how did you manage that? And how are people supposed to manage that? You know what I mean? You're, you're reaching kids who are, like, born um, 2003 now. Like, it's like... <laughs> you just kind of... I feel like you just kind of listen. Like... Okay. Um... I just kind of you know kind of keep it. I don't really I don't force nothing on it. I just make myself available. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't try to tell you this, that, and the third. There's a chance for us to have a conversation about something. We speak about it as as men. Like I, I know I got this many years. You got this many years. And I've done this, done this. But like we still got the same goal, which is for us to be better and us to win the game. So mm. whether who's playing right now, me or you or whatever it is, <laughs> whatever we can do to get better, if I approach you that way then it makes these these exchanges easier. I said with the bench mile, and we keep talking about it, but when I was with them, like, that was the biggest thing. I did not approach them like, hey, give me the ball. Right, yeah. I'm the guy. Because you I'm could the have. One to carry this unit. Yeah, I, that, that, I did not. It was never no approach like that. I was right. like, yo, how can we be the best bench in the league? Yeah. That can't be the best bench in the league by yourself. Nobody can. So, like, how can we do that? That was the that was the first thing. The first thing was just put the thought out. Mm. Best bench in the league. Every day, every game before jump ball, I would go down the bench line when they were getting ready for tip off, and I would say best in the league to every single person down mm. their line. Before it even was said, thought about, before we even knew who the bench mob was. Right. That was just the saying. Right. That was what it was. Then after that, now the conversation is, all right, we want to be best in the league. I, I need you to be able to guard this guy. You need me be able to make this shot and to be able to guard some small, some power forwards and small force. Now we can start talking about the things that we need to talk to as far as the leadership part. Now we're leading each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yo, CJ, are you sure you don't want to come back, man? I feel, <laughs> I feel like the Raptors can really need you, man. Not just the shooting, but all this other stuff too. Um, now, listen, I, I think the other thing that I, I've actually heard you already speak on this, but I, I wanted you to, you know, uh, share your thoughts here as well, because obviously as someone who, you know, one literally one of the most accomplished three-point shooters in league history. You can really look it up. But, like, in particular, when you're watching a team go through shooting struggles, right? Because we've seen, obviously, there's a lot of conversation about Fred not shooting the ball well. Mm-hmm. But if you look across the board, like, I mean, Gary's been hot recently, so his numbers are coming back. But, like, Gary for a long time was below his league average or season average. Uh, OG was below his career average. Like, there's just, like, it felt like for the across the board, nobody was shooting threes well. Have you seen, like, how does a team slump? You know what I mean? We've seen individual players slump, but how does a team slump from three? I mean, shooting is, is is like we know, a large part of confidence. That's the reason why for so many reps. So, like, if we got this thing on our back every time we walk in the gym that nobody's making threes, nobody's going to make threes. Like, okay. Because um, you notice, like, the other night, how many did they make? They made they 20. The, the 20. Yeah. And multiple guys made threes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, OG, I think OG has six that night, but yep. then you see other guys feed off of that. Now I he's mean, got three, hit three he's like... got two. You know what I mean? Like it starts to, yeah. to roll because guys are stepping into those shots with confidence. But the biggest thing is 
they got to keep shooting it. They got to keep shooting the right ones. They got to keep shooting the good ones. They can't go out of their way to avoid them, but they can't go out of their way to be so aggressive shooting them that they continue to take tougher ones and it doesn't help. Um, it's a it's a it's a thin line. That's fair. But the, it's just it's just them moving the ball with confidence and shooting it with confidence. As 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 a guy who obviously was a fantastic three point shooter, did you sometimes take a harder three sometimes once in a while just to like sort of like take the lid off? And almost take you I know did. give a confidence to your your teammates. I did just to show just to be aggressive. I did because so it's a little different when you're the guy who is the quote unquote shooter, right? Mm. So defenses are going to guard you a different way. Sure. So like my my gap is a little bit um, for shots is a little bit slimmer. <laughs> so there was sometimes just to be aggressive so we could get some going or to or to even just make a play work the second time. I would come off of something and, and not take a terrible shot, but take a tougher one just to be able to shoot a shot that was makeable, I felt. Mm. Um, and just to open the gates. Because now I come off of this shooting and now somebody else got his help. I kick back. Now that guy's three is wide right, open. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because I feel like that almost hurts your percentages in a way because you're essentially mm -hmm. choosing to take a tougher shot. Mm -hmm. But it's for the good of the team in that way. And, of course, you got to know you can't just every take every three and say this is for yeah, the good yeah, of the team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you obviously got to have because discretion. Because also, my but... job as the shooter is to, to make opportunities to make shots and shoot shots. That's fair. And I can't also go out there and not shoot the ball. Yeah. I understand part of my job is to make them too and they shoot a percentage in the, and, 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 some, and it's a little different now because we shoot so many and they want so many. The percentages, like the, the league average is a little lower. There's not, you know what I mean? There's guys shoot like, like the 37 is excellent when you're shooting five, six, seven threes a night. Right. Yeah. Um, especially the type of, like you shoot them off the move, off the whatever. But if you go look up the other stats, stand still in the corner, you got to shoot like 45, 46. Yeah. That was the way we used to. So we used to call it carrying the threat. So I just wanted to make sure I was a threat to the defense and everything I was doing. Yeah. No, I mean. It's the same way everybody should be. Yeah. And it, it, tr trust me, man, that was one of my favorite seasons. And, and watching you in particular with that bench group, because at that time, like the, the shooting for a guy like Pascal um, obviously, Yak is still not a shooter, um, mm -hmm. but you know Freddie obviously grown so much as a shooter. Delon has grown as a shooter, but that that time, like you were like the one shooter in that lineup. Fred obviously can knock down a three, but not the same way as he can right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I mean it's just it's 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 curious to pick your brain. But no, listen, CJ, we we took up so much of your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Good, you know, man. we, we got to have you on again another time because it's just great chatting, um, you know, basketball with you. But before you go, you know, just. Plug your show, man, because I think people are probably going to want to know a lot more of what you have to say, especially after hearing this combo. So where can they find you? Um, yeah, so me and my man Amit, um, Strictly Hoops, CJ Miles, name of the show. It sounds funny saying my own name like that, but uh, Yahoo Sports. So I'm wrapping up everything. Yep. We got it's the visuals on YouTube. I film it here at the crib. So, you know, we have a good time. We talk about the Raptors. We talk basketball. We talk about the league, and we just, we just chop it up, really, kind of like, like we did today, you know? Right. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why this has been so good for me and interesting for me to step into because no offense to media, but I'm not media. Like I'm a basketball player. Right. I'm a, I'm a hooper. I'm a guy that was in a locker room his whole life and then half his life in an NBA locker room. So mm -hmm. the perspective and the things that we can kind of get to and talk to my, my goal is to bridge that gap with fans, you know, some of the stuff that's said or not said, or they understand or don't understand um, to be able to just talk basketball in a safe space. Yeah. No, that's dope, man. I uh, appreciate you, CJ. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope you take care, man. And, and go listen yeah, to man, CJ's too, pod. Man. Thanks for having me.
All right, we're going to take a break right here. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. On the other side of this break, host, producer, Alex Wong, makes his daily 10-minute debut. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Lou. For the second segment, I'm Joe, my producer and co-host, Alex Wong, who is in the back listening to our interview with CJ Miles. Um, and yeah, great dude, man. No, I love CJ. CJ was. HR. 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 Shows a Derek Mandale. No. I don't think we heard that, Derek. Let's play that one again. We have. Anyways, that's be, my new intro nah, on the show. It should be now. Ni Hao and, and, and Huang Ying instead of <laughs> Hello and Welcome, man. <laughs> no, uh, CJ one of my is one of my favorite players to talk to. Yeah, it's yeah, like in the locker yeah. room whenever you want to pick his brain about about any topic. And I think anybody familiar, like not just from the first segment that you sure. talked to him about, like just on the podcast with yeah. Amit Mon yeah. at, at Yahoo Sports Canada, you know, our former teammate, like he, you know, I think he just loves talking hoops and he's got really great perspective. Yeah, no doubt, man. I appreciate CJ for his time. Really could have talked to him for the whole hour. No, I didn't. We had you? To, yeah. you know, well, we had to get your thoughts on basketball too, man. <laughs> I know you've been thinking about this stuff all the time. Yeah, no, actually yeah. real quickly, um, in, in your in your time here as a Raptors uh, reporter, a media person. I don't know why it's so funny for me to say it. You have been one of the most accomplished ones here. Um, who, who, give me your top five for, for Raptors interviews. Oh, man. Top five. You know, Fred. Um, this is in no particular order. You know? Okay. This all is right. You don't have to offend anybody. Oh, Damn, no, no. Because, play political with, you know, apparently, cares, apparently no like, media. Yo, how are you only racking me fifth? Apparently no media. No, can criticize Fred. Fred's gonna do a post game interview tonight. He's gonna be like, "Yo, you said up. CJ Miles yeah, over like, me." CJ over oh, me. <laughs> CJ Miles is uh, definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Marcus Sol. I only got to talk to Mark a couple times, but Yo. like Mark was always very insightful. Yeah, and very patient too. I remember patient yeah. too. Yeah. Honestly, I thought Demar. Like I thought Demar in there too. Oh, Demar. Yeah, Demar. Demar was man. another guy I only got to talk to like one on one a couple times, and right. one one of the times was for when I was doing a story, just remembering Kobe's uh, sixty point game, and I was able to to sit down with him, and you could tell just how much like everybody knows how much um, Demar reveres Kobe. Oh yeah, yeah. But like it was He's like legit a Kobe stand. It was after practice, you know. The you know the PR brings uh, players over. Sure. And usually, I mean, usually the players just kind of want to get it over with. I think they're nice enough about it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but, you know, they want to go home or, you know, hit that Thad Young three-hour ice tub <laughs> type joy. But Damar's like, what do you want to talk about? I was like, yeah, I'm just doing this story, you know, for Slam about Kobe. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. And then we, he just, like, pulled me over to the side, like, sat down just, like, on the floor. And we just – he chatted for, like, 40 minutes. Like, no, he just dope, wanted to man. reminisce. And I think – yeah, so so Demar, I guess that's only four right now. That's only Which four, other yeah. role players have come through? Um, Corey Joseph, Bismack Biombo, yeah, Jonas really Valanciunas. You know what? I'm th- can I just throw Terrence my Ross. ball? 
throw my guy Serge Ibaka in there. You're, yeah. Yeah. You know what, Serge? The only thing with Serge oh is guy, Serge. He, he would have to like take like literally an hour of like conditioning afterwards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just say that you know, like really? conditioning in terms of lifting weights, conditioning in terms of putting on conditioner. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but also just conditioning. Not if you go to his, actually, even if you go to his condo, it's an hour wait. <laughs> I was gonna say, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> we Can always you tell me you and I haven't been waiting there with Jordy. We drinking joke. flow water. <laughs> Shout no, out these, to Jordy. No, we live in our raps, man. That's really how it goes. There was one time when I interviewed him, and I think you interviewed him. I think we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's just some confusion. Well, one of the times, because I knew it was going to be on camera, so like I, I didn't even dress up for it. I just put on like a dress shirt, and Serge was just... You didn't come, you didn't come to Serge's condo with an H&M bag <laughs> like you did the other night? Uh, not this time, <laughs> unfortunately. No, it was. It, By the, it, way, the dress shirt was from Zara, actually. But yeah, okay, um, okay. I, I showed up at Serge's house to interview him after you had interviewed him. Yeah. And Serge came up and he was like, he, he's in his sweats, and he's like, "Damn, why are you dressing better than me in my own house?" <laughs> he said that. <laughs> so that's big compliments, man. I, apparently, no, but he was literally just in sweats. But um, yeah, no, I mean, look, we've been we've been really blessed, man. We've had a lot of good interviews in this in this team. I think, by the way, Gary has really emerged. I think. I really like interviewing Gary. Yeah. I, I mean, like, sometimes post-game, like, I think he's real serious and real locked in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't mind that at focus, but I think yesterday at practice was a good reminder of how good of an interview Gary is. Yeah, got, uh, it, from we, his, got it from his dad, you know? It, yeah, no no kidding, man. So. <laughs> you know, Gary Trent Sr. actually never won on that list, man. <laughs> Still can't believe <laughs> he was like, yo, you don't have Jay-Z as your goat? <laughs> oh, I, like, I was cooking on that stove. I was like, oh, no, okay. <laughs> No, we've had some. Uh, uh, so anyway, yeah, we're confirmed. Media, media, media's in the bag for Fred. Is what you're saying? This is what you're, this is what you're sure, saying. Sure, yeah. yeah. Whatever people want, it's yeah. all good. Yeah. I'm chill. Happy Thursday. Um, yeah, we were. Oh, oh yeah, yeah we didn't even include Utah Watanabe. You know what? I actually on watched list. the Utah Watanabe interview yesterday. Uh, he did one with the Nets. Right. And it was like 30 minutes, which was yeah. it was quite good. But I also knew every answer he was going to get because oh, I've okay. also known everything about Utah <laughs> basketball wise now. Yeah, that would be your him, if you were on Jeopardy, that would be your my category. That would be your category. Yeah. Utah Watanabe. Yeah. What would be the thousand dollar question for Utah? I think like his hometown or something. No. Do you know his, the Kagawa, the Kagawa prefecture? Yeah. yeah, I know the Kagawa prefecture. That's, that's eight. That's eight hundred dollars. One thousand dollars. Yeah. Shoshin and Kenkyo. Oh! Oh my god. Oh, you know what? $1,000 will be who is Deep Cut. Utah Watanabe's main on Super Smash Bros. I even know that. Okay. The the 100 the $100 Spots, question would definitely be like Ramanishan, like you know, this was the spot that he frequented yeah, yeah, yeah. when he lived in Toronto. Facts. No, you could you could feel that. No. Show, no show legit would be one of the, my Jeopardy questions. Would, yeah. Show, yeah. JR Manitad too, you know, third Asian of this show. Right, right, we were right. just chatting with him and you know, the other night when you brought your H&M bag, as I mentioned it a second time, <laughs> when you went shopping at H&M. Yeah, I just bought one item, man. This is this your king right here, man. This this is this the center of the Raptors show universe. Yeah, that's what it is. Shows up with an H&M bag. He was deep in it, too. Don't worry. I won't snitch on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Anyways, yeah. JR and I Bogo were trying to, JR was in Bogo the booth, yeah. and we were trying to figure out if there was, if the Raptors had a player, uh, players that were H&M, that would be a sick nickname. Mm. But... You know, it would require Hernan Gomez and Malachi <laughs> Flynn. You know what? To really pull you know it what? off. I want to see like, one play involving We got those an H and M bag like off the bench. You know, like mm. they're in their H and M bag. That's actually tonight. pretty hard. Yeah, I like that. while you were having serious conversations with serious people in the business. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That Personal, was what. Sources, everything like that. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it, it, was a, it was a great vibe in the in the media room. Shout out to Jeremy as well. Interviewed me for his Chinese blog. Oh, which, by yeah, the way, yeah. so like, Do you again, have a presence in China? What's going on? Uh, no, man? but he was telling me okay. that he's like, if you actually just 
did your whole Raptor show, but in Mandarin, mm. our viewership would be in the millions. Oh, seriously? <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's because we always kind of big time him a little bit. Not even big time him. He's no, just, but he has a bigger reach than us, is what you said. Yeah, right? yeah. He's like, yeah, my, you know, my 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 yeah. vlog does a million views. You know, yeah. on, on shouts to Jeremy. On, on he works for he works for for an outlet in China, China Mobile. China, China yeah, yeah. Mobile. So he's like, yeah, my blog does a million views, and I'm like, oh, word. That, oh, okay. That's not what the Raptor show does, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, pull up those YouTube. So views. maybe Anyways. maybe you just gotta speak Chinese, look for real. We can do that. Yeah. Okay. Just you know, yeah. You want to do a Mandarin show? I already spoke week? Mandarin on this in this episode today. So yeah. Were you ever asked to do Mandarin interviews? I was during yeah. the championship. During the championship year, there's one guy because I know for sure who came up to me. He's like, "Yo, the, can you I, do this interview?" I know and the homie. You, yeah, yeah, Runjin. Yeah, shout yeah. out to him, man. I have him on WeChat. <laughs> oh, you, of course you do, man. He said, what's your WeChat number? Um, damn. <laughs> we really talked pure hoops with CJ for 35 minutes. And then you came in and like I haven't said, said a single thing about basketball. Yeah. Uh, Derek and Jennifer, we'll be saving that Chris Boucher clip for tomorrow. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. We were rationing our content throughout the week. But uh, no, nah, it was, yeah, he was like, can you do this interview in Chinese? And I was like, look. And man, did you do it? No, because I'm like, yeah, I know how to speak Chinese to like my to converse with my parents. Can you talk ball? In, can you talk hoops? And no, Chinese? I realized I didn't I even know either. some of the like the terms. You know what I mean? Like I don't even know what like pick and roll Mavericks are in Chinese. Although actually, I, I, I know what I like. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can't. It's a uh, like, small down. horse. Yeah, yeah. Small horse is yeah. really the Mavericks one. But yeah. uh, it's always yeah. funny when when parents like Chinese parents try to talk hoops, right? Because like they don't they don't know half of the players' names. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, they all kind of. And then when they say the Chinese, uh, when the team names in Chinese, they're pretty funny. Sure. Yeah. So, because yeah. there's a whole thing about the, the nicknames being really funny, right? Yeah. 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 Like, like for example, Giannis's nickname is just, just letter, alphabet? Letter, letter bro. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he letterboxed, man. That's great. Yeah. He, yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. No, this, these transitions are hilarious, man. <laughs> what did you have in this topics, man? All star voting. Yeah. All star voting. Pascal's still sixth. Pascal Siakam is six. Uh, can we get a K-pop star to just hashtag Pascal Yo, or something I'm like that? I'm not even joking about this. So uh, yeah. I was down at practice, and um, the, the, one of the media gurus Attendance. were telling me that, um, yeah, actually, I'm a perfect two for two this week. Yeah. Um, but one of them was telling me that I'm Pascal getting, like, had actually just Digio. done. <laughs> well, I don't even know what you mean by that. But, uh, but yeah, Pascal was doing a live stream in China, and it had That's like six right. million viewers. But did they all vote? I don't know, but you know, like if the link, the link to voted, vote Pascal was at the very top of the stream. Yeah, and it has six million people viewing, and if even one percent of the people hit vote for Pascal, yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah, because Pascal is six right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the number one vote getter in the front court has four and a half million votes. That's Kevin Durant. Okay, yeah, could he, have been Raptor in the summer. Um, so yeah, fair enough. I mean, Anyways. look, he's not going to get into the top four. It is what it is. K- KD, Giannis, Jason Tatum, no, Joel Embiid. You're not going to crack that's, that. That's that star power. But he'll make the bench. We know that. Yeah, no, for sure. And now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Okay. Do you know, Will, the Toronto Raptors are playing the Charlotte Hornets once again tonight in the Lovely. second half Lovely. of a home and home again back to back? The Raptors are minus eight favorites at home. The injury report, uh, exact same as Tuesday. Kelly Oubre Jr. is out. Gordon Hayward is doubtful. I don't know if you've heard Otto Porter's out for the season. Mm uh the um the raptors are looking for their first three game winning streak of the year and our eight point favorites will is it going to happen tonight i, I think it was going to happen tonight um i thought charlotte played like one of their best games <laughs> the other night that was not an nba game by the way uh, it was it was, you know, it was a rico Hines run a little pickup game you know, you know, rico could have coached that game um but no seriously though it, 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 I, I do think that charlotte played really well offensively I, I think the raptors can do better defensively against them though that was the bigger yes. thing it's just like they this... let Lamelo. 
do kind of whatever he wanted. And man, I, my takeaway was just it was fun to watch Lamella. I'm really excited to go down to the arena and watch him again because he's a, be on a good can, team, man. No, he can shoot from 40, but he can also like really drive in and yeah. make all these passes. Playmaking is, is hard crazy. to trap this guy because he's able to keep his dribble alive and. He's also made, able to make really clever passes. You don't really know which side of the floor to tilt him towards because he's really the one at all times in control mm. of it. So, um, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. But I, I do think the Raptors can guard them a lot better. I also think that Rozier hit a number of really tough shots. And who knows? Maybe he'll do that again. And yeah, who knows? Like, maybe like the a, Raptors won't hit 23s. That's were, not going to happen yeah, again. They were like a terrible three-point shooting team, and they were just making yeah. all kinds of shots. But uh, I will say, so the Hornets have the worst offense in, in the NBA and a bottom five defense the, mm. the other line to look at is the over under which is at 232 tonight uh on tuesday the raptors and, and hornets uh hit that total they were 252 points combined Damn. and the hornets have allowed 120 uh, over 120 points in four of their last six games yeah so maybe the over is something to look at oh you, you go for a parlay huh? as well <laughs> I'm, so I'm, I'm just learning i'm learning i'm learning Why does the it job? sound like you're speaking french <laughs> This guy's like, oh, you ordering the parlay. <laughs> Once again, listen to the first half with CJ Miles. That was a great strictly one. Hoops, and now it's strictly non-hoops. No, no. So the pick for me, I'm going to go with Raptors minus eight, and I like the over as well on the 232 points. Okay. All right. Any other any other uh, gambles you might make across the league? Uh, no. I, I think uh, you know, strictly Raptors. Fair enough. Strictly Raptors focus. Tonight, once again, ran out of time to talk about the Pacers paying a fan $500. Oh, don't worry. We have another chance tomorrow. For the half-court show. We have another chance tomorrow. Savannah Hamilton will be joining you. Right. That and was Between the here. Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. And that does it for us today. I'm your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks once again to producer and co-host Alex Wong. Thanks to CJ Miles, who Alex had put second in the rundown somehow, ahead of himself. Our board producer, Derek Brandale. It's, and an, ego. it's an ego thing. Man. We're helping us on YouTube, and uh, we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow, hopefully after the Raptors win three straight.